0: Welcome to the Fit Pro Business Podcast, where you'll receive sales, marketing, and business building tips from industry leaders that will help you take your business to the next level. Head over to fitprobusiness.com to receive your free three part video series on how to attract more qualified leads, schedule more consultations, and close more sales. Now, here's your host, the In the Trenches Fitness business owner, Andy Salazar.
1: Hello, and thanks for listening. As you know, ratings and reviews are very important to the show. So stop what you're doing and head over to fitprobusiness.com backslash iTunes and leave a review. Hello, FitPro Podcast listeners. Thank you so much uh, for listening. Today's interview is with Mr. Rick Mayo. You're going to get a lot of value out of this interview. Rick is what you would call the opposite of a starting starving artist, gym owner, or personal training studio business owner. He is, owns one of the most profitable gyms per square foot, and he's not afraid to take a day off. I had the great luxury of hearing um, Rick speak at the Idea World Conference, and he really passed on a lot of knowledge about how he manages his business and how uh, other personal trainers can manage their business and have success as well. So welcome to the show, Rick. Hey, thanks, Andy. I appreciate you having me. Now that was a very brief intro about who you are and what you're up to these days. Would you mind elaborating and giving the audience a little bit more of a backstory on you?
0: Yeah, of course. So I actually I own a gym. So I think you did mention that. I've, I've had a little training center open since uh, 1992, believe it or not. So you know, we opened when I was a junior in college. So we're almost 25 years into this thing, and um, it was you know a really small place and you know, just sort of a hobby at the time. You know, I was kind of this big bodybuilder dude and that was fitness at the time. And, you know, we opened this place and here we are in uh, 2016. And, you know, now we're in 8,000 feet and, you know, we'll do some crazy 60,000 sessions or something this year. And, you know, it's just turned into this, uh, to a really cool business and allowed me to, you know, to stay in this industry for a long period of time. Um, and part of that, you know, part of what we've done at our gym, has turned into um, a completely different business. So we have a licensing business as well, uh, which we started about five years ago officially. And we do licensing and consulting of our business systems to clubs all over the world. I mean, from Tasmania to Poland and everything in between, which is great and behind every banner as well. So CrossFit, Anytime Fitness and gold Gym, I mean, you name it, all of them. And so, it's been a lot of fun to take what we built in this tiny little space in 92 and see it helping people with their businesses. And then of course their end users as well, you know, their, their members or clients all over the world. Um, and it's, I've learned a lot as well. So just looking at all of those different unique markets, working underneath, underneath all those unique brands, um, you know, we've learned a ton. So now we've got a ton of empirical evidence from not only our weird little facility in Atlanta, but, uh, but all these other facilities as well. So yes. yeah, man, I spend most of my time on the licensing side, but the brick and mortar gym that we have, it's, it's still up and, and cranking. So yeah,
1: that's awesome. I'm sure over that time period from 1992 to current, you've um, made lots of changes, maybe even tried things and had some failures. Um, can I know uh, you, you have an interesting story? How you kind of learned that or realized, you know, the success of where your business was. Would you mind um, telling the audience a little bit about that story about the time you showed up at the gym?
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I guess a couple of resources, I'll, I'll tell you about our hiccup, right. And of course, out of trial and error, you know, if you can rebuild normally something really good happens. And so between the time we opened in 92 and in 1998, we had doubled our space, so we went from one retail bay, which is always about 1,500 feet, into a little over 3,000 feet, and man, in 1998, we had this banner year. I mean, we did a million dollars in training, so, you know, if you're an individual trainer, you know what that looks like monthly, and if you own a training club, that's a lot of revenue out of 3,000 square feet. You know, I'm certainly more impressed by it now, and I look back at the time, I don't think I'd, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know, and so... 99 is rolling around and I'm married now with kids and a mortgage and I'm like, Oh man, I'm the smartest guy in the world. This is like the easiest business ever. And, um, you know, things just take a, a turn for the worst and they do it really quickly. So a couple of my guys, you know, uh, everybody was an independent contractor by the way, which is a huge mistake. So a couple of my guys, um, you know, sort of looked at me and thought, well, geez, man, Rick's not that smart. You know, we could do this and, you know, looking back on it I mean, maybe they were right. And so they they left and went to open their own place and had a couple of personal issues with a couple of other trainers and they left and man, in a really short period of time, we went from $83,000 a month to $12,000 a month, um, you know, with the same fixed overhead and everything else. So needless to say, that was a bit of an eye opener. Um, and when it really came down to it, it was, you know, we didn't have any business systems around any of the functions in our business. So we pulled up our bootstraps, we scratched our way back, took about eighteen months to get back on our feet. Um, and in that time we built a system for nearly everything that we do in our in our business. And, you know, of course with the goal of never having, you know, having that happen again. And the result of that ended up being, you know, really what is now a licensing business and, you know, and, again, in this presence, you know, worldwide. So at the time it was the worst thing ever. And looking back on it, it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. It really was
1: right because you guys were doing really well up until that point and then it re- made you realize how quickly things can change and that you, you didn't have a system prior to that and now moving forward you had a system for everything that you did
0: that was it I mean I think the best word Adam would be it just completely exposed our lack of business systems right it was like oh my goodness I mean we had nothing so we were just in the right place at the right time and lucky um, and so it was a real eye opener but it was, a, it was a blessing in disguise it really was
1: Awesome, thank you. And now, one of the questions I like to ask, because I'm a little bit cheesy and I really like quotes, is um, what is your favorite quote and why?
0: That's a great question. There's like so many, right? It's like, you know, all of my social media, I always have quotes, because I really like those as well. Um, I think the one that I like best now, if I can say that, is one from Wayne Gretzky. And what I really like about anybody in sports is they, they sort of, You know, there's this high level of competition. And I would say in business, we're the same. It's a hyper-competitive market for fitness right now. And so you have to be a baller, right? And so I like any kind of a sports quote. So, you know, player of all times, but not necessarily the most physically impressive guy. And I can distinctly remember him being interviewed by um, a sports reporter And he basically challenged him with that question. Like, hey, I mean, looking at you, to be honest, you're you're not much to look at. You don't look like an athlete. Why is it that you're one of the best hockey players in the world? And he simply said this, you know, it's easy. I skate to where the puck is going, you know, not to where the puck is now. And so the reason that I like that quote is I think in our industry, a lot of us just sort of follow what everyone else is doing, right, without You know, without really stepping back and then saying, hey, you know, where is this thing headed? What would be the best direction for me right now as opposed to just doing what everyone else is doing? So, you know, I like that quote for that reason. I think it's really important to review your business periodically and just see where you're headed and if you're doing the right things or are you doing the same thing everyone else is doing right now?
1: Right. And identify what sets you apart from other businesses that you're competing against.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I touched on this a little bit. I know that you know you mentioned that we got a chance to meet at Idea, but there are so many studio brands right now. It's the fastest growing segment of the industry, by the way, is the the fitness studio market. So that's good. The consumer awareness around that is good. The challenge is that everyone's coming in at what we would describe as team training. That's just our terminology for basically large group training. So think fifteen people or more. And you look at the brands that the consumer might be confused by that are in that same space, which would be like CrossFit, Orange Theory, Bar Fitness, Yoga, Boot Camps. And I know as trainers and people listening to this are gonna say, Oh yeah, but it's totally different, because they use treadmills and I use kettlebells, or I do an FMS or you know, I do an FMS first or whatever. I'm just telling you from the consumer standpoint, the uneducated consumer, they don't see the difference. It's a group of people getting sweaty. So if that's the busiest part of our space, fastest growing, you've got big national brands getting in, they've got marketing power and they're pretty good at it. Is that really where you want to be right now? Or do you maybe want to look at a product that's a little bit different, right? So just examples like that are things that I think you should review about your business at least once a year. Right.
1: Now, if you had to pick one, what would be your number one key to business success?
0: Oh man, systems, 100%. And, and, as important as building systems is the like grit and the discipline day in and day out to stick to those systems. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, it's really funny. I mean, we're, we're doing some of the same things now to be successful that we were in like 1993, right? Which believe me when I tell you, I'd rather stick a hot poker in my eye than repeat the same processes over and over. But there are some general principles that never change and it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of grit and a lot of commitment to do the small things well all the time, which, by the way, is how you survive, right? So I would say having systems first. Second, having the discipline to stick to those systems.
1: Great. Thank you. Now, um, one of the main topics I want to talk about for this interview is how to build your dream business. You know, a lot of personal trainers, they get into business. You know, they're either working for somebody else and branch off on their own, try doing their own thing. But they quickly realize that running a business, one, is Difficult and two is that they are a slave to their business. You know, they're working 12, 14 hour days seeing client after client. And, um, you know, over time that can really wear on you and kind of bring down your joy in regards to your business. Um, How can a personal trainer that's looking to start their business or take their business to the next level and build their ultimate dream business where they have, you know, everything in balance with work, family life, and extracurriculars? Yeah, I mean,
0: listen, there's going to be periods of time where you're gonna to have to surge for lack of better terms. So when you first open your business, you're not gonna have a work life balance. You know, there's no such thing when you first open a business as you know, right? You're gonna to have to surge and hustle and it's just gonna be going to be wide open throttle for a little while and that's okay. Um, you know, as things develop, um, you should be able to create some more balance in your life. But the only way that you're gonna be able to do that is to run systems. So to build systems around your business so that you can look to the people that you hire and you will need other people. You can't do it on your own forever. And as you look to these other people that you bring on board, you're able to say this simply. This is how we do things. That's what you're able to say. And, And what I mean by that is whether it's how you train individuals, how you assess, how you sell, how you market, how you answer the phone, how you say hello, how you say goodbye. All of those little details are uber important. Things that most people listening to this uh, podcast probably take for granted—they're just they're just inherently good at it. Not everyone is good at all the little details, so you just have to get all those things on paper. Um, and once you have systems, then you can leverage other people's time, which means you don't have to be at the gym until nine o'clock every night, right? Which is nice, which is nice. It's nice to be able to go home and have dinner with your family.
1: Right. You know, and I know this from my own personal experience, you know, starting my business and, you know, not having systems in place and bringing in a you know, new staff member and not having them do the things the way that I did. You know, one thing I thought they would just follow what I did and automatically do what I do, but without having it be on paper or without teaching them that system that I want them to run, it, it's not going to take place.
0: Yeah, they're not you. I always self this. like if you're, you know, a trainer, you just get really frustrated if you don't have systems in place, like you said. But if that person was you, they would, they would be your competitor down the street, right? They're not you for a reason. Not everyone's cut out to be a gym owner or an entrepreneur. And if you're not, that's great. You have to have, you have to have, uh, you know, foot soldiers and, you know coaches and whatever you have to have them all and so you know there's a place for everyone and those folks that you're going to hire if they were you they would be you right but they're not so you're going to have to teach them things probably in painful detail um if you're an entrepreneur you know it's kind of uh, unnatural to have to kind of back up and teach your crazy wild ideas to someone else but man if you don't do it you will be at the gym every day from 6 a.m until 9 p.m so it's worth it
1: because without doing that there's no way of duplicating yourself and somebody else
0: that's right That's exactly right. Your business is not scalable if you can't get all that craziness and cool stuff out of your head and onto paper or on platform or somewhere where you can teach it downstream to other people.
1: It's so funny that you said that. Probably about you know I've been in business now for ten years, but about eight years ago I was um you know, two business in two years into my business and I was you know, a one man show doing everything myself and my wife was trying to actually help me with, you know, small things like um invoicing and customer follow up, but she kept having to come to me and ask me like, you know, who should I call or who should I do this? And um she's all she just got tired of asking me all the time. She's all you need to you know, have some sort of way for me to Get things out of your head and on paper, so that way I can step in and actually help you. She's all, "Until you get things out of your head, I can't help you." And so that was a big, you know, learning curve for me on you know getting things out of my head and on paper, so that somebody else can step in and do some of those lower level tasks that um, you know I didn't have time to do, and also would help build my business and you know give better customer service.
0: You know what? Well, that's a. I'm glad you said that. And thanks for sharing. It's a perfect story. So just to give you to back up and, and tell folks how difficult that was for me, you know, after having the, uh, you know, the near catastrophe that we had and then me saying, okay, well, now I'm back in the gym from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. I don't want to repeat that. I don't want to leave the business and get quote unquote a real job. I want to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, but I've got to build business systems. But I can tell you if I'm at the gym and, I know a lot of your listeners are hearing this. If you're at the gym from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., you start thinking to yourself, you know, when am I going to be able to build these systems in these manuals? Like you just have no time, barely have time to like work out in the afternoon and eat some stinky egg whites from a cooler that you cooked three days ago. It's just like, right? You're like, when am I going to have a chance to do this? And so I ended up hiring someone at the time for $15 an hour, which is pretty big bucks. And I would have them meet me at the gym in the morning and follow me around. You know, all day and the next day I had them work the evening shift and they'd meet me in the afternoon and follow me around all day. And so what I had them do was literally with the notepad document every single thing that I was doing, how I opened the club, you know, every little thing that I was doing became um, part of our very first ever sort of operations manual, you know, and they would stand there while I was training people, which was odd, and I would say something and they would look at me and I'd say, yep, that's a good one, write that down. And it might just be instructions or, you know, program design or suggestion to a client. And they would take all that information and and put it into this big manual for me. So it sounds kind of wacky, but without that, I would have never done it. I just didn't have the time and energy.
1: Right, because a lot of personal trainers, they do feel like they don't have the time to do those things, which ultimately keeps them where they're at and not expanding um, without, you know, getting those systems put on paper.
0: That's exactly right. Yep.
1: So systematizing you know, basically for your business is, includes everything from opening your studio to closing your studio at night and everything else in between.
0: Correct. I mean, it's really every function. Now, most trainers would be best served to gain a little momentum by starting to, to at least get their thoughts on paper around the easiest thing for them. And let's face it, we all know what is the easiest thing for trainers to spend their time on? And that's going to be program design, right? So I think most trainers should start there. If you don't have systems or if you're in a training club and you don't have systems now, start with your training philosophy. That's probably what you love. It's the easiest place to, or easiest way to get something on paper. And in doing that, it will give you a little bit of positive momentum. So the next day you can, you know, maybe build processes around sales or something else. So, Anyway, that, that's where I would start just to get the ball rolling. Otherwise, it seems like this a daunting task.
1: Right, and generally dealing with things that you know, business, personal training business owners or fitness business owners you know, don't like doing, like um, paperwork and um, invoicing and things of that nature. That would be harder to do
0: opposed to the program design. Absolutely, yeah. The program design's in your wheelhouse. And as you look at those other processes, if you have a little bit of margin in your life financially, don't forget all of those other things can be hired out. So when you talk about invoicing, I mean, if you get to an EFT or electronic funds transfer model for training, which I highly recommend, mm-hmm. the money is gone, right? It's automatically deducted from the client's account every month. And it took us like 10 years to figure that out. But I would highly recommend that. Why? I don't ever have to talk about money anymore. There's no hey you're out of a 10 pack, and by the way, it's only a nine pack because you like canceled last Friday morning, I don't have to have those conversations anymore, which I didn't like, by the way. So right. you know all that goes away, so the complexity of that's gone. And then you know, everything else that I can that I can leverage, payroll, uh, accounting, all that stuff you can farm out for a lot less money than the time it would take you to do it on your own, and it will be done a lot better than if you did it on your own as well. So it just saves you a lot of headaches. So I just encourage anyone listening, if you have a process or something that you don't want to do, and you have the money, look at farming it out to someone else.
1: Right, and ultimately, if you you let go of those lower-level tasks, you can focus on the things that really generate revenue and um, increase your uh, income that you're really good at.
0: Well, yeah, it's like the old, you know, when I took econ a million years ago in college, it was like, you know, they used like an attorney like to garden, right? And it's like, well, he's making 300 bucks an hour as an attorney. Um, you know, he likes, he wants to work in his garden, but he just needs this project done and he's paying a gardener like 20 bucks an hour to do it. It's like, well, where would you rather spend your time? You know, I mean, if it's not a straight up hobby, he could spend two more hours at the office. It makes a lot more sense economically to do that. And I think the same thing with training. If you're going to pay an admin to do your payroll and it allows you to pick up a session or two, instead of sitting in an office pushing papers, you're going to make a heck of a lot more money doing that. Right.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. Now, um, you kind of touched on this a little bit about how, you know, there's a lot of competition now going on to the studio market, you know, a lot of smaller gyms opening up. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how personal trained business owners can go about building layers into their business and giving people options, buying options uh, to do business with them.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So there's really four layers that I think are serviceable right now in the market. So the first one is, kind of do it on your own client, right? So this could be, for some people, this might be an online client. If you're a trainer working in a gym, this might be a client that you only see once a month and you give them program design. You're basically, they're basically paying you for your knowledge and then you're holding them accountable normally once every 30 days in some type of a meeting, phone meeting, something like that. And that's an area that I think is, you know, it, it, a lot of our trainers just haven't tapped into that. It's really not that time consuming. You probably have a bunch of programs created already that you could just put into some different buckets like, you know, beginner level performance or beginner fat loss or something like that and just sort of template these programs, um, which would make it really easy. So that's, that's one, that's the first layer would be the sort of do it on your own slash online type of client, right? So in our facility, we have 550 clients now. And we have these four layers that I'm going to talk about, and I'll tell you kind of where our percentages fall on each one. So the first one, do do it on your own. We have that at $99 a month to do that in our facility, which is great. And we have clients from all over the world that pay us $99 a month. We've never met them, and they just want program design. So awesome. They just want to pay us for our knowledge, and if they happen to live close enough to the gym, they can come in and use that as well, which is great. I mean, for 100 bucks a month, it's like that's not a whole lot more than a higher health club in my area. So that's a pretty good value. Um, then we move up into what we call our large group training, and we call it team training. But this would be again that fifteen to twenty, all the way up to forty people. Um, and this is this is again that space we talked about earlier, where a lot of people are in it right now. This is the sort of studio model, right? It's groups of large groups of people working out at the same time. So for us, we come in at one hundred and forty nine dollars a month. So you're only like fifty bucks more. And I think that's a layer that a lot of people understand right now and while I think it's crowded it's not a bad idea to have a few of those on the menu now you have to have space for it so if you're an individual trainer looking for a space right now you have to have about 5,000 feet to be able to run a layered PT system right because everybody wants to come at the same time so if you're going to have your entire business be say group training what I'm describing now it's going to be relatively inexpensive versus personal training and in doing so Um, you're going to fill up your entire place with essentially lower paying clients, right? So it's not a bad layer to have. It is kind of a crowded space. It's competitive. If you do it, you have to have a big space. If you don't just stick with what I'm going to talk about next, which is small group. So large group training, again, depending on your market in Atlanta, we're going to come in at $149 a month and it's an unlimited membership. So you can come as many times as you want. So that's your second one. Now, third is what we do really well, which is two to four person. It's sometimes referred to in the industry as semi private. We call it small group training, and it, you know, which can sometimes be confused with large group training. But for us, small group training is defined as two to four people working with one coach. Now, for us, this is where about 90% of our business hangs out. So I mentioned before, we have 550 members. Our average price per member per month is around 320 bucks. So it's this awesome little model because most of our clients or 90% of our clientele are doing this two to four, you know, structure. Mm-hmm. Now, why do we do that? Well, to us, that's affordable personal training. It's not team training or as our clients will call it that dirty word, classes, right? <laughs> it's not a class. It's, it's personal training. It's just done in a group so that it's more affordable. And it's a small group, so we can make it feel, smell, and look like personal training. And so we're really good at doing that two to four, and that's where the largest chunk of our clients hang out. Um, And then, of course, we have one-on-one training as well. So above that, you've got people that just want one-on-one training. Now, we don't sell it a lot because we make it really expensive because we feel like we can do a really good job in the two to four. And that gives the business great margins and the coaches can make more money. And it's just a really nice, sweet spot for us. But we also do one-on-one training. So when you look at those layers, you've got you know, everything in our gym you can do from ninety-nine dollars a month all the way up to twenty one hundred dollars a month, believe it or not, for unlimited one on one training. And then you have everything in between. Most of our clients, like I mentioned, our average monthly membership for training is around three hundred and twenty bucks. So kind of fall right in the middle there. But those are your four layers. Do it on your own. Large group or team, small group, and one on one. So I know it was a really long answer, but that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So basically what this is allowed, when you get a lead that comes in and, you know, it allows you to plug them into the right area for them and what, what they're comfortable as far as income is concerned. So it's not locking, like, say I'm a personal trainer and I'm only offering one service. You're, say it's a one-on-one, you're doing yourself a disservice by not, you know, possibly getting a client that could do a small group or even like a do-it-yourself program.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. So, I mean you're no, as an individual trainer, you're no different than I am as a training studio, right? I have a certain radius of influence or that I'm gonna draw from in my area. If you're an individual trainer that's working inside of a gym, maybe you're only gonna collect people that are in that gym. But it's the same principle, which means if you don't put more products on the shelf, right, you're only you're gonna have a limited number of clientele. And if the only thing you offer is high-end one on one training, great if your schedule's packed, but if it's not you know, where are you going to go? Right? Where Where are you going to find these clients? It's such a low penetration of these markets for these high-end one-on-one training studios. If you don't offer some other, if you don't put some other products on the shelf, you're really going to struggle as things evolve.
1: Right. And I've also heard this called um, step selling. Because you might get somebody in that says they w- they just want to try out your do it yourself ninety nine dollar program, and then you know a month into that they're like you know they're starting to see the results they want to go a little bit deeper with you and so then they jar- join your large group training and they do your large group training until they feel like you know you know what I can take this even further and get more attention so you're kind of indoctrinating them into what is capable for them and what your business can provide for them and ultimately get them into that small group training uh, where you're gonna make majority of your income.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So uh, you know, everyone feels like if they offer a do-it-your-own or, or a team training or something that they're going to cannibalize their one-on-one training business. Always a concern, and we've never ever seen it work out that way. And whether it's our facility or any facility anywhere in the world, what ends up happening is exactly what you described, which is we have this low barrier sort of exposure to our coaching product, and once people get a taste of that. They typically want more, not less, right? So they're going to end up buying more and more service over time, exactly the way that you described it, which is awesome. So think about the amount of people that you're not getting to as a club owner or an individual trainer, because you don't have a lower barrier, you know, entry point. And if you had that, you could probably upsell them into exactly what you want once they just got a taste of your services and, and results and everything else. So anyway, great point.
1: Right. And you, um, in your talk, you mentioned a percentage of space per uh, person. Um, would you mind explaining what that is and how that would work as far as a trainer looking to do like a large group?
0: Absolutely. So the, the formula is 75 square feet per person. And so how do we know that? Well, again, we're going to run 60,000 sessions through our facility this year, and we've got you know all these licensees all over the world running high-volume training. It's like we know for sure – we need 75 square feet per person. And that's just based on the current functional training trends. You know, when you're swinging kettlebells and hopping around doing crazy stuff, it takes a lot of space, unfortunately. So 75 square feet per person. So if you're planning a studio, you know, if you're planning an expansion of your current studio or something, um, you'll know exactly how many warm bodies you can fit into that area, whether it's in small group or team or what have you based on that 75 square feet per person formula, which is very helpful.
1: Right. So like for an example, like I have my studio is about 2000 square feet. If I wanted to do, you know, right now I currently am doing, you know, your small group training. But if I wanted to add a a larger group training to more of like a high intensity interval circuit, what would be about my capacity about 10 to 13 people?
0: Yeah, so well, it depends on how much actual floor space you have. So everyone will say, yeah, I have 2,000 feet, but they had front desk, locker room, storage, room, laundry room or something. So you really have 1,200 workable square feet, right? So it really depends on what the actual workout floor space looks like. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that if you wanted to start offering that large group, yeah, I mean, you're going to go, you probably have 1,500 feet. I mean, usable, if you're everything else in your place is really small, like your offices and whatnot. So that's going to allow you to put 20 people in there. That's the simple math.
1: Okay.
0: Awesome. And if you break that, because some people do that, oh man, I can stuff a million people in there. It's not just about what you can pull off. Think about the customer experience around that product, right? Do you really want it to be so fricking crowded that people are like sweating on each other and stepping all over each other? I'm just telling you that while it, Well, you might be able to cram as many as you want, some of you guys listening into these small spaces, it's not going to work long-term because the customer experience around that crowd is not great. So you'll just get a higher turn rate because people will leave it.
1: Right. So you have to really think about what the customer experience is going to be and not have it be comfortable where everyone has their own space.
0: Exactly. Yep.
1: Now, one of the big things for personal trainers that are looking to, you know, like we said, there's a lot of competition. What are some of the ways that um, personal training business owners can stay ahead of the curve and uh, beat out their competition?
0: Yeah, I think just A, doing a better job of of what they're doing and and not always chasing all of the trends, right? So stick with to what you're good at. So when you look at our business, we did 10 years of one-on-one training. You know, a lot of it. I mean, that's that's where we hung out. Now, when we shifted gears and added all these layers and whatnot, um, we still wanted to stick with what our core business competencies were, which was personal training. So, you know, we always joke about your elevator pitch. So if I get on an elevator with someone now and they say, what do you do? You know, I, I might say I own a personal training center. Now if you came in and there's 80 people in there working out at one time, it's a madhouse. It might not look like what you think of as one-on-one training, but to me, it's personal training. So I would say, you know, trying to differentiate your business would be about what is it you do that is unique, you know, and I would say this day and age, because personal training has become exposed, um, and it's now being done in these group settings by all the big national brands that to stay in that wheelhouse of being a real personal trainer. So you know, I love the size studio that you have right now, 2,000 feet. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if, if there's a, any young folks listening that are looking to get their own place started, that's the size facility that I like. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm opening one. I'll, we'll be open in like three weeks. I've got this whole new concept and we're going to open 10 gyms here in the next two years. They're all going to be fifteen hundred feet. So I'm literally putting my money where my mouth is because I love these models. Why? Because I can differentiate myself mm-hmm. by being personal training, not classes, right? Because everybody's doing classes. So anyway, long answer, but I hope that I hope that helps.
1: No, I, I completely agree with you. I'm on the same page with you. Everyone in my area is doing, you know, your larger group training. and They're all going after the same market. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of competition where, you know, I've set myself apart by offering semi-private uh, personal training anywhere from three to six clients per, you know, half hour. And i a majority of my clientele, I'm going after a senior market, which is, you know, anywhere from 45 to upwards of 80 and 90. So um, and I think that's really helped, you know, set my business apart from a lot of the competition and allowed me to have, you know, this longevity over the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, and I would just stay there. I mean, the baby boomers—they the, have the most money of any generation ever. Right? They're all getting a little older. They don't feel like they're older, right? So they want to be young, but they don't want to pay and go down and do crossfit with some dude with a neck tat and pit bulls running around and nobody has a shirt on. I mean, that's a great crowd, and everybody—I'm just teasing. Everybody wants to train fire breeders, right? But how much of the market really hangs out there? Right. And so you know, differentiate yourself by a creating a niche for a market that's actually there, right? Where there's enough volume to make some money. Um, and I would argue that it's where your business is doing exactly what you're doing, which is almost exactly what we do. We have our fair share of professional athletes and whatnot, but man, 80% of our customers are just general fitness, move better, look better type of clients anywhere from 40 up to 60, right? That's sort of, I mean, we've got some older ones, but that's kind of our average age bracket.
1: Right. So ultimately, if you're a personal trainer out there that is just starting your business or, you know, you're struggling to get by, you know, success leaves clues. You know, Rick has given us a lot of valuable information in regards to how he's running his business and how successful he has been. Um, So seek out these, you know, professionals that are going to, you know, point you in the right direction and also cut that learning curve for you because it is possible to not have personal training just be a side business or a hobby. It is possible to earn a living and, you know, provide for your family as well as provide for staff members and to be a something that's very valuable to your community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, across all of the things that we do in our brands now, you know, we have 50 employees and some are all over the world. So it's like, how cool is it to be able to create something that supports 50 families, right? Their, it changes their lives and then helps all the, the people, you know, that work with them or, you know, at these individual gyms that we work with or whatever that may be. So yeah, 100% agree with you on that point.
1: Now, do you have any other business success golden nuggets you'd like to leave the audience with?
0: Yeah, I think just learning to, to building your systems and learning to leverage other people's time is the most important thing that I've learned. So we actually have four companies now got my, my mothership, the original gym still doing great. Right. I'm, I'm, I love it. I miss it, but to be honest, I hardly ever get a chance to go there. So if I get there once a week, I'm happy, you know, because I'm traveling all the time. Because on the other hand, we've got this licensing business. And then we've got this new women's brand that we're starting. I told you about the 10 gyms. And then we have started a sort of a roundtable, Rex roundtable, if you will, for training club owners where we get together a couple times a year and just share best practices around all the functions of the club. Well, if I have four businesses going, right, there's not a lot of time I can spend on any one of them. So it's really important you guys that you have systems and that you have key people in the right positions to just help you run the play, right? To make sure that you're doing the things that you do well and they're doing the things that they do well. And that's, that's a difficult task, but boy, if you can get it right, you can move mountains, right? And so many people that are listening to this have so much to offer the world or their market or, just the people they work with, just learn to systemize your business and leverage other people's time to run your play, and, you know, the sky's the limit.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Now, I have a couple of ending, parting questions for you. Um, What are you currently reading?
0: You know, I'm actually rereading something right now because it's one of my presentations that I'm doing at Perform Better, so I will do their... um, I do their circuit, you know, their, their big summits every year. Um, and one of the talks I'm doing is on the sweating, the small stuff. So the little details and the book that, the book that I'm reading, which lends itself to this subject is called what everybody and it's a separate words and two words, what everybody is saying. And it's basically a book on body language. So if you think about being a coach or a trainer, 80% 80% of all language is not spoken. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to have a high level of emotional intelligence and understand what is someone saying without saying it. And even maybe more importantly, what are you saying without saying it? You know? Um, so I love the book. I think it's by Joe Navarro. I think is his name. N-A-V-A-R-R-O. It's just a great book about body language. And it will teach you some real simple principles around how you're communicating and the message that you're putting out, and then also gives you a pretty good idea of how to read other folks as well. So anyway, makes you gives you like superpowers, right? Yeah. Awesome. So that, that's that's what that's what I'm rereading right now.
1: So, what is your favorite business book or self help book of all time?
0: Oh, no doubt about it, hands down. Because if you guys haven't gathered it by now, I'm kind of a fan of systems. Um, the best book ever is called The E Myth Revisited. So E-Myth, revisited by Michael Gerber. Best book ever. I read it once a year. It's my favorite ever business book because it basically speaks to taking an art. I think in the book they use baking, right? Mm -hmm. But taking an art, which some people would think of training as sort of this art, this thing that we've developed, this skill set, and systemizing it and why that's not a bad thing and how to go about it and maybe how to look at Systems right? as a as a trainer doing something that would be considered artistic. So anyway, I think it speaks really well to our industry, and I reread it at least once a year. Love that book.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. It's a great book, and also really explains how you know to go about systematizing your business.
0: It makes a great audio book too. For whatever reason, the, the author has this amazing voice, or it's like he, you know you just want him to tell you like a bedtime story or something, right? <laughs> it's great. So if you're if you're commuting to and from. Um, it makes a fantastic audio book as well.
1: Now, Rick, you've provided the audience with a ton of value. Uh, you know, I know there's going to be a lot of listeners that would want to know how to connect with you or how they can get to learn uh, more about what services you have to offer. Um, how can the um, audience learn more about how to connect with you?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, how about the most narcissistic website ever, which is just rickmayo.com? So if you go there... You guys, it's a simple hub site and you can jump into any of the different things that I do. So you can look at my gym, you can look at licensing, you can look at the Secret Training Society. You you can look at any of the things I'm involved in um, and take a deep dive into those. Or you can simply shoot me a message right through that site and it comes straight to me. So that's the best place, rickmayo.com.
1: Awesome. Rick, I want to thank you for your time and, again, all of the value you provided to the audience.
0: Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and I hope you guys have a great day.
1: Thanks, Rick. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your day. Please head over to fitprobusiness.com backslash iTunes and leave a review. Until next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fit Pro Business Podcast with your host, Andy Salazar. Don't forget to visit fitprobusiness.com to receive your free business building video series.